left. You're saying it more to convince yourself at this point. You definitely saw the witch veer left at that last fork in the winding mountain road. The rest of your party went right, leaving you and two others to venture left. Fools seeing shapes in the rain. She went left. The tracks you were following washed out a short bit ago, but there was no other passable areas, so you forge on ahead. The rain is down to a drizzle now, and the sun is coming through the clouds one last time before dusk. One of your compatriots with you notices the moss-cloaked entrance of a cave. It is almost perfectly camouflaged against the rest of the terrain, making it a perfect place to hide. Looking to your comrades, you gesture towards the entrance and head inside. You've been hunting this coven far too long to let any stone go unturned. The final beams of sun peering in through the westward-facing mouth of the cave allow a reasonable amount of illumination. Shadows cast by your remaining party slowly fade as the darkness begins to envelop you. Your footsteps echo around you, cut only by the slight trickle of flowing water. Out of habit, you begin to ask the cleric in your party to cast a light spell, before becoming very aware that they went right with the others. You are sure you saw her go left. As the others light their torches, you hear a slight shuffling up ahead. This is it. She has to be here. A feeling of validation sets in, quickening your pace, and you know this will all be over soon. You will end it here. Moving forward, listening for sounds to direct you, a nervous excitement continues to grow within you. The torches do little except to illuminate the anxious looks of your fellow witch hunters and a little bit of the wet dirt floor. Though you feel the thrill of the hunt, you wonder if your own face carries the same look of anxiety. Rainwater trickling through the rocks above douses the lights little by little as you continue into the darkness. You have to hurry. The sound of heavy footsteps scraping ahead stops you in your tracks. Whatever is moving sounds much bigger than your long-time quarry. Fumbling for the hilt of your sword, a wry chuckle creeps through the darkness, <laughs> piercing your resolve. You can barely see the outline of the face it came from before it's gone. A loud swoosh of wings forces you into a defensive stance as you realize whatever is in front of you is now airborne. As it passes overhead, the wind from its wings extinguishes one of the torches. It lands with a heavy thud behind you, blocking the way you came in. You can't be sure what happens first, the sound of something cracking in the air like a whip, or one of your comrades being impaled by a large spike. They fall to the ground with a bloody gurgle, and you know you're in big trouble. Down to two, a deep voice whispers playfully. You make out a smile in the dying light of the last torch. How many teeth does this thing have? It lunges at your partner, biting repeatedly around his face and neck, dropping the torch to the ground as he falls, helpless against this creature. You hear bones break as you see the last of your fragmented party go limp. It turns towards you. 
You've certainly strayed far from home. The beast taunts. You look over to see the last fallen torch, dripping water slowly extinguishing its light. It won't last long. Don't worry. You won't die in the dark. The manticore hisses, smiling wide as it slowly advances. You should have gone right. You unsheath your sword, brace yourself against a wall so it can't flank you again, and roll for initiative. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. My name is James Bristly Kid, nickname and accurate, and with me, as always, is Freeman, the paralytic Eistin. He is going to be taking us through, as I'm sure you have guessed by those super revealing nicknames, the Manticore from the Monster Manual on page 213. I have a passing familiarity with this creature, so I'm really excited for what new information Freeman and dish out. <laughs> I almost gave you paralytic, but then when I decided on bristly, I swapped them because I thought it was fitting. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes. Uh, we're going to start with a quote from the enterprising dwarf copper merchant, Marthok Oldar. I have been watching, or I've been rewatching Star Trek The Next Generation in my free time. Yeah. And now every time I hear the word enterprise, I get so. <laughs> excited that we're going to like, I was so, so convinced that you were about to give me a Star Trek. No, (laughs) no. Uh, uh, He says, Manticores love the taste of human flesh. That's why on trips through the mountains, I always travel with human guards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He knows what's up. That is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you would get from Volo, so I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. Um so monsters in every sense of the word is another little quote from the monster manual. Manticores are vaguely humanoid in the face and head, but they have a body of a lion and leathery wings of a dragon. Or like a dragon, I should say. Not quite the size of a dragon. And uh, they have a bristly mane that runs down its neck and back. And its tail is tipped with a cluster of spikes that are deadly at range. So we have quite the amalgamation of a creature here. Uh, Something we've seen before. Something very chimeric. Um, They are very fierce predators that hunt far and very wide. And will coordinate to bring down larger and more dangerous prey as well. So they're not necessarily lone wolves. Uh, they will generally open with a volley of spikes from their tails. They can shoot those at, at fairly good distances. Um, and then when they close in, it's claws and jaws time. If they're outdoor at a disadvantage, they'll basically try to stay aloft with the wings and just shoot the spikes until they run out, taunting all the while. Even if they're at a disadvantage, I this is a little a fact that I love. It doesn't matter. If they might be losing, they are taunting you. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, And they, they speak uh, and converse. They are smart enough to, to sort of talk to you, um, but are not terribly smart. And 
thoroughly evil. They promise swift death if begged for it, and, uh, and up to it, including even if they are out- outnumbered. Um, so they uh, will, however, spare life if they see it as advantageous. So this is an opening um, if you, you find yourself at a disadvantage. Um, and basically offers of tribute or sacrifice that equal the value of a meal in the Manticore's eyes can trigger its willingness to listen and barter. Oh, okay. So I like that they're, they're open to this, but, uh, but not terribly smart. So a clever, a clever PC in theory <laughs> could, uh, could overcome uh, a Manticore fight um, non-violently, which is something that you, you wouldn't expect by looking perhaps at the artwork. <laughs> No, no, not at all. And I, I mean, I do have a, a quite a familiarity with these creatures, mm. so that's not even something I would have put past them. That's, right. That's awesome right now. Yeah. So, uh, they do find themselves allied, um, usually in the service of evil masters. Uh, so long as these masters keep them well fed with ample prey and do not treat them too cruelly either. Um, they are known to provide aerial support for orc or hobgoblin armies or as hunting companions to a hill giant chief or the guard of a Lamia's lair, actually. Um, there is, we have a bit of a problematic warning here again, where this, the way this is all written in the monster manual and such, uh, it's all sort of lumped together with wickedness and evil in a problematic way, like usual. Um, but it's mainly due to the writing okay. of these companionable creatures before... Uh, like the, the being, you know, they're sort of marked forever as evil in this way. So it's, I find there's less, less of a problem with this creature being evil. It's like, it's a, intelligent enough to speak, but it's really just out for a meal. So it has no, no qualms with killing anything in sight. It's nearly bestial, but just smart enough to not be. Um, but uh, it's, it's so-called quote unquote allies are always evil. And then, and then it lists off the, the, the creatures that are just pretended to always be evil. Um, so just bear in mind, it's, They'll serve the ones that are evil, but not all hobgoblins have to be nasty bastards. There's your there's your 2022 Twitter campaign. <laughs> Hashtag not all hobgoblins. <laughs> That's problematic in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Maybe don't yeah. do that. So, I mean, I made a little note, little note here that you bear in mind that an orc army um, could just as well be lawful neutral and hand wave the malevolent nature of a manticore and favor it for usefulness. Uh, evil does not have to be in play to justify these relationships either. So, um, yeah. Um, oh. Aside from allies, they do have rivals. Territorial rivals include chimeras, griffins, peritons, and wyverns. And uh, manticores do like to hunt in packs um, and uh, sort of use this to gain a greater advantage over these rivals. However, manticores fear dragons innately and will avoid them at all costs. And it makes me wonder if this includes wyverns from that list of rivals. It didn't specify um, that they were scared of wyverns, but they are designated as, as a, a dragon for their creature type. Um, it just says yeah, that they, so they dislike drakes. them. Or they are rivals. Huh. Okay. Mm. Um, I, I, if, it, if it's a capital D, I would imagine it's the creature dragon. If it's a lowercase d, I would imagine mm. it's the subtype. Yeah, don't, don't, don't use my notes for that. <laughs> I, I tend, no, I, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> I tend to this is just me giving advice the yeah. to those listening. Yeah. I'm not even going to look through the monster manual. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you, 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 you listeners play it however you will. Mm. Um, I'd probably use, use capital D dragons mm. as opposed to the subtype. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes more sense to be scared of an actual big old dragon, but you know, it's nothing wrong with being cautious around one of its skin. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, that could theoretically include kobolds, right? Or, yeah. um, or just drakes, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or drakes as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, earlier editions do uh, add a couple small things here. Uh, colorations are always similar to that of the base creature. So like the lion's brown and red hues on that part of the body. Um, and then the wings might be a different color sort of thing. Uh, their mouths are filled with rows of teeth, similar to a great white shark. It's kind of adding to that chi- chimera- chim- chi- chimerism. Chimericism. Um, and uh, they, uh, uh, some were known to carry uh, paralytic venom in their tail spikes, and some had uh, a scorpion stinger instead of tail spikes. Um, yeah, I'm familiar with those. Mm, yeah, that's that's awesome. They uh, ate the flesh of most creatures, but preferred the taste of humans, which I feel like seems to be an odd trend lately. Uh, we've, we've been falling into some accidental trends, <laughs> um, right? But uh, yeah. They, uh, and, uh, their, their lairs were often underground or in caves, uh, they preferred warm habitats generally, and their hide was valued for, uh, use in furniture <laughs> and, uh, oh. an enchanted cloak called the skin of the manticore from three third edition. Uh, it could be, f- I'm familiar with that. Cloak. Are you? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. You're familiar with all this. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I actually really like manticores. Yeah, they're, they're pretty neat. Um, they're simple, but they're neat. Uh, the skin of the manticore uh, can be fashioned from its hide with the tail still intact. And so the enchantment allowed the wearer to control the spiked tail of the cloak and four times a day uh, could attack with paralytic venom. Uh, and it also gave a slight boost to fortitude or in 5e parlance, constitution. Um, but uh, I believe yes, that was with the stinger specifically, maybe not with the tail yes. spikes. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those weird items where we actually know who was the first person to make it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it's an elven ranger called Degas, uh, cool. who was the first person to turn the, uh, with a wizard to turn the, the hide into a cloak. That's awesome. Love it. Um, and that's, that's it for D&D lore. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of depth. <laughs> Just a lot of facts. Um Yeah, I'll be honest, I expected more, mm, but I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the art though. The art is incredible. The art is pretty great. Um they've been given a lot Except of love. For three. The three E one is really, yeah, weird. Um not care for it. But uh it's, the five E is dude. is great. Actually, there's two versions for second edition as well. There's a black and white one and uh Another one that just kind of looks like it comes out of an old comic book or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that black and white one. There are some other ones I'm going to put up in the Instagram. Okay. That uh, they just they've been given a good amount of love in in some other other uh, media. Oh, yeah, that is gorgeous. Yeah, some of them are really cool. Just like shots of them in different situations like fighting creatures or like standing over a treasure hoard and stuff and it's just like a, a wide variety of styles um that are really really neat i really like that last one you posted yeah that. it's cool but the 5e <laughs> has got to be the most representative like it's the only one that i can see that has the multiple rows of teeth and the humanoid face yeah yeah and it's yeah it's it is eerily human isn't it it's like kind of it's creepy but yeah it's supposed to be yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so that's, um, if I remember correctly, that's one of the traits of a manticore is the humanoid, the uh, mm. leonine body, the humanoid face, the barbed tail, and the wings. Yeah. Zoom in on that mouth at your own risk, listeners. Uh, <laughs> it is creepy. Um, but these, these creatures, of course, uh, I think these are ones that are quite obvious. They come from some history uh, in the real world. Not that they existed in the real world. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> um, Very few chimeras actually yes. have existed. Uh, I think we're looking at like a liger and a mule, and that's pretty right, much it. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, these are legendary creatures of Persian folklore. And a lot of these facts are coming from a number of uh, a number of uh, sort of famous um, natural historians, <laughs> as it were, like uh, like TCS we've heard from before, Alien, uh, Posanius I've not heard it before, but uh, Pliny the Elder and Younger showed showed up in my research as well, uh, among others. Um, Sawbones favorite, yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, uh, Persian, they're Persian folklore, but they supposedly came from India. So India was the homeland of this, of this folklore creature. And they were likened to that of the Egyptian Sphinx in that they were common in Western European medieval art for some reason. They just, they, they, they latched onto that. like, like they did to the Sphinx. Yeah. Um, Rest of the manticore. Hmm. They had the human head, lion body, poisonous spines on the tail, similar to a porcupine quill. Uh, and some accounts claim the spines could be shot like arrows. And variants with scorpion tails existed, um, or that of a tiger's body, which I think we, we kind of get a little bit of... Actually, it's a little bit, a little bit more like a leopard in the 3E art. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, spines supposedly killed instantly. And only an elephant could survive a hit with one. And uh, they devoured their prey whole and had three rows of teeth, leaving behind no trace of their kill. And uh, which always begs the question, how do we know it was there and killed? <laughs> um, uh, they devoured, <laughs> their, their voice sounded extremely similar to a trumpet, according to one source. Um, and uh, the name itself comes from Middle Persian and means man eater. Uh, though mistaken, cool. yeah, the mistaken etymology led to assumptions that the name meant man tiger during the uh, European Middle Ages. And though the man tiger is thought to be an entirely separate creature with monkey like feet and sometimes with tusks or horn like features. Um, Where's that? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I couldn't even find a, it was vague enough that I couldn't even find a wiki article on the man tiger. It was just like mentioned in here and that was it. Um, cool. They, uh, manticores were introduced in European folklore through TCS book Indica, meaning India, which we've, we've talked about before. Um, and, uh, TCS was a, a Greek physician for anyone, um, needing a reminder in the court of King Artaxerxes II, and most other facts surrounding this creature involve heraldry and artwork, um, but are all mixed in with the man-tiger mistakes, as it were, and um, it's honestly mostly altogether really dull and boring, so I didn't write any of it down, <laughs> all, the, <laughs> okay. all the heraldry shit, yeah. I'll probably throw up a couple pictures on the Instagram uh, that, are, that are good from the wiki page, but, but yeah, it was just like... Uh, this date in this house, and there was a man tiger on 
moving on. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Okay. Bored. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but that's pretty much it. I got a couple of honorable pop culture mentions. Apparently, in the animated children's show My Little Pony, there were two manticores with scorpion tails. Um, okay. The band Emerson, Lake, and Palmer did a concept album called Tarkus, in which the story's main antagonist was a manticore. Uh, also, the American oh. comedy music duo Ninja Sex Party uh, used the manticores and antagonists in their music as well. <laughs> Um, the sentences are just words to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the original Dark Souls video game, uh, in, in its DLC, uh, there was a boss um, similar to the Banticore, although this was claimed on the wiki page. Uh, but I wrote here that uh, it had horns and a lion face, so it wasn't a Manticore. It was probably a Mantiger, and thus is not a very honorable mention at all. Uh, but there it is. <laughs> I I wonder if the man tiger is just the rakshasa. It could be, could very well be horns, yeah. tusks, <laughs> yeah. man, like bipedal tiger. Yeah, could very well um, be. Maybe cool. it's, maybe it's the maybe it's like the 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 opposite of the rakshasa, like the jackal wear is to the uh to the like canthropy creatures. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it could Nico, be. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's it. That's all I got. Thanks for, uh, thanks I got for coming one of my own here. If, oh, yeah. uh, if, if, if you're open to it, sure. it is tangentially related at best. Um, it is the sequel to my favorite book of all time. Uh, the Manticore is the title of the book. It's Robertson Davies' second book in the Deptford trilogy. Okay. It doesn't actually involve a Manticore, but the, uh, ty- the main character has some uh, mental and emotional struggles that manifest themselves as a Manticore. Oh, okay. Cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah, sequel to Fifth Business. <laughs> and uh, that brings us to uh, the part that you're probably m- most familiar with, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. The old and consumption of a delicious black meal stout and the the uh, brutal tail spike mechanics of this creature. I, I, I feel like I've definitely faced one of these before in your, your game, maybe a couple times, probably. a couple times. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the Manticores yeah. a lot. I'm quite sure we fought there. a couple of them at once at one time. You did. You fought a mated pair. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, I remember being afraid as a player. I don't remember how deadly it became, but, um, Oh yeah. We are looking at, uh, a CR three creature. So nothing too crazy, although when you start pairing them up, it can be kind of crazy. Um, the uh, HP is only 14, quite low. AC is 14 as well, natural armor. Speed of 30, fly speed of 50. That's, that's where the danger does really come in. Um, they are large creatures, monstrosities, and aligned at lawful evil. Um, All makes sense. Yep. And they can speak common. Uh, a reminder to the listeners that common isn't a language, but it is the language common to your region. Mm-hmm. This is correct. Um, and uh, dark vision, 60 feet, decent strength and decks and con all at plus threes. Intelligence is seven minus two, which I, I believe is the bare minimum to be able to speak a language and understand a language. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. I can't confirm or deny it, but it's it's got to be right up against the edge there. Yeah, because I think, I think if not in 5e, uh, other systems are sort of related to 
I mean, it's like, uh, you know, there's some spells and effects that reference, like, if they have intelligence below seven or, or like, within a certain threshold, um, then, you know, it, they are considered a beast or they can't speak or, or something like that. Um, it's like defining things like when you speak to animals, you know. Um, so I think they're just at that threshold of intelligence um, that's sort of, like, not listed specifically, but, you know, you can kind of surmise is the true is is its intention um the uh abilities are spike tail growth they have 24 tail spikes at any given time and can regrow all of them on a long rest um, awesome it's pretty crazy for an overnight growth and they get multi-attack you can attack uh three times one bite and two claws or three tail spikes um there's the kicker right there is the or yeah and the placement of the or mm-hmm. the uh uh bite uh, is a plus five to hit 1d8 plus three claws a plus five to hit with a 1d6 plus three and the tail spike is also a plus five to hit with a hundred foot range uh capped at 200 and uh a 1d8 plus three um so they can fucking hit pretty hard that is huge that is so much farther than i remember it being yeah they, that's a lot that is a long distance <laughs> yeah so they can they can just fly 100 feet up above your head and just start launching these things at you and what the hell are you gonna do about that <laughs> yeah and it would only, they'd only be able to double moves you better have a longbow and a, a very like a large range spell available because damn I think a longbow is eighty-one twenty. So, is it really? I thought it was. Uh, uh, no, I, I, th- I thought that's a short bow, and the longbow is like, like, like one fifty three hundred something crazy. Oh, is it? I, could, uh, I think so. I will quickly look it up. I don't have my screen in front of me. Yeah, well, longbow is one fifty six hundred. You're right. One fifty six hundred. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, you can hit that thing, but you're probably rolling with about as close to disadvantage as you're ever going to get with a longbow. Yeah. Uh, just a reminder uh, for the listeners that 5e presents range damage in two increments. One is the first increment, so anything up to 100 feet for these tail spikes, you roll regularly, and anything between 100 and 200, you roll with disadvantage, and you cannot hit anything farther than 200 feet. That is correct. Um, still, that is huge. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's a massive distance. Uh, so it like so it's so rare too to be on a map that actually has a hundred feet worth of of like range to fight in, right? So uh, yeah, it's not, not um, very common. A light crossbow too will would be able to hit. Oh yeah. Okay, so it looks like a lot of these weapons mm. you'd be able to hit hit it with, but you'd be rolling at disadvantage. You're you're very very limited to your repertoire of what what you can what you can use there. So I mean I guess the, yeah. the a big advice would go to DMs like don't don't get too nasty with these creatures you know uh, on that distance don't try not to hamper or gimp your your players too hard just because you can um make make the encounter fun yeah <laughs> give them an opportunity yeah this is more of an opening volley yeah thing, right or a, or definitely, a fallback definitely tactic converse you know <laughs> have this creature be like ah bag for your life blah 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 blah. And I will oh, stare yeah. if get it into speaks, that. It should speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, um yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean it all looks that's it. It's pretty familiar. Yeah, it's very simple, very straightforward. There is definitely some deadliness to it, depending on how you play it. So that 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 uh challenge rating is, you know, can be debatable. Um 
but uh, but not like highly debatable. I guess it's not a hot. Yeah, not a hot in topic. my experience, yeah. CR3 is pretty accurate. Yeah. Like these things go down really quick, really fast. Like, yeah, they don't. They don't. They are fourteen and fourteen glass cannons essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're you're not gonna have a whole lot of trouble with them. Um, I I always max out the HP of Manticores. Um, mm. I often do, but these creatures specifically, I always do because they do go down really quick. Yeah. Um, but the max HP is 104. So 104. Yeah, 8d10 plus 24. Whew. How did I get HP yeah. oh, of 14 oh. here? I don't know. It's 16. Oh, I think you may have put the a- 68. Uh, I think you may have put the AC 14. Oh, I must have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Recant. Yeah. I was really thinking, I was like, man, 14 is nothing. Uh, 68. Six, Sorry. 68. Sorry, listeners. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll show myself out. I can't really carry the show on my own. So please don't. <laughs> Welcome to Encounter James. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have one homebrew uh, idea. I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, like, you know, sometimes they just have those little sidebars in the monster manual that just have a variant version of a creature. They could have easily yep. sh- shoved this in there and just give it, given it a, a giant scorpion's tail sting attack instead, you know, to reflect some of the, the past lore. Like it was just like, it would be such an easy, quick thing to add to this creature for 5e and would make no real difference. Like the giant scorpion is also CR3. Um, and has a similar amount of attacks with multi-attack as well. Uh, and um, You have the sting mechanics in front of you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, So it's basically like you would just swap out the range opportu- uh, possibility with the, um, uh, for damage. And then you add the stinger and it would be a plus four to hit. And it would be 1d10 piercing and then a con save or take 4d10 poison. So it's immediately making this quite dangerous. If it, But it shouldn't be able to use the stinger multiple times. Um, and uh, at a failed save, uh, yeah, 40, 10 poison and then half as much damage as a successful one. So like it, w- it would be a big hit, but, you know, I would not include that stinger wow. in the multi attack at all. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely couldn't be part of the multi attack. Yeah, no. And I don't think it is um, in the giant but- scorpion, um, but the giant scorpion does have, I think, two claw attacks for multi attack or something like that. Um, yeah, that sounds right. That is huge for a CR3. Yeah. It's wow. Big. Yeah, Giant Scorpion's not messing about in 5e. <laughs> it's crazy. No. Um, I mean, it's a pretty low con save, but at level three, you know, hit that wizard. Whew, you might be in trouble. You know, it's, yeah, it's not that low. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, it would be, yeah. I think it'd be a fun variant and, you know, maybe you can bump up that CR by one or two. Um, yeah, I'd probably bump yeah. it up to a CR4 and maybe not use them in a pair. Yeah. And like, well, well, facing's uh, not hugely used. I, I do like sort of in the background to try and consider facing when you have a larger creature and it's got a tail attack. Um, so I won't get too nitty, nitty gritty with like the, say, the token um, if you're, you know, playing on a virtual platform. But, um, you know, I do kind of consider, okay, wh- what creature did it attack last? Was that with its claws? Okay, it's probably facing more that way, which means the tail will maybe attack, you know, um, to someone behind them or beside them rather than front in front of them um, and kind of take that into consideration to sort of space out your attacks in, a, in what feels See, like a fair way, you know, across the party. I, I hear you, mm. but that's a weird one because yeah. if it's got a lion's tail, a lion's tail super dexterous and it can move in really any direction at once. The scorpion's tail only moves in one direction mm. and it's designed to sting in front of it. So yeah. it kind of depends on where you're home brewing. I mean, that yeah, part. you're not wrong. You're not if wrong. If it's a with full that. scorpion's tail, yeah. I think you're probably only attacking the creature in front of you. But if it's a lion's tail with a scorpion barb on the end, mm. 
well. Yeah. <laughs> you had a full range of motion there. Um, yeah. Danger zone. Yeah. A danger zone. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, uh, it specifically says it does not have reach. So that, that's worth considering as well. It feels like it, it would being a tail on a large creature, but it is still just a five foot reach. Um, yeah, because of the scorpion's tail right. only goes down in front of it. Right. It, it yeah. Doesn't like, because it's not as dexterous yeah. as it has, as a, it have, as it has the length tail. to be a reach attack. It just doesn't have the, the mobility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you were to put it on the end of a lion's tail, you know, it might be 10 feet from the back or the sides or mm-hmm. what have you, but five feet in front. Yeah, totally. Cool. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I just feel like that was a, a sort of a missed opportunity from Wizards to just add that in. It would have been really simple and quick. Um, and it would have, you know, sort of been a, a small callback to the previous editions. Um, and it wouldn't have, wouldn't, have, uh, wouldn't have really taken up any more page space, I don't think so. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. But the, that's that's the Manticore. That's the the deadly weird Manticore, who's creepy and has weird teeth. True, very very <laughs> true. Um, I also wouldn't hesitate to allow this as an animal companion for higher level rangers. If, uh, oh, yeah. if at any point they have access to CR three creatures, uh, specifically evil or um, uh, chaotic aligned rangers, I think this mm-hmm. would be a cool animal companion uh, that to role play with. Yeah. And I've done that before for NPCs. That mated pair of manticores you um you fought were being currently trained by a ranger at that time. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I like that because I mean that's that's another like sort of point on um how some some of the features and mechanics will will kind of re- reference the intelligence. So there might be a cap on like how high the intelligence can be, like you know mechanically for uh, a ranger's companion. But also, whatever, have fun with it. <laughs> and yeah, like, it said like the, you know, sometimes they pair up with uh, with a hill giant, you know, as a as a hunting companion. So why not? Yeah, and that's exactly where I got that mm. from. Is is they have this they have this basic bestial need for food, and if they have that need and they're able to communicate, you should be able to, you know, train this about as well as you would be able to a wolf yeah. or um, any any other creature because it does have a high enough wisdom and the intelligence low enough it's not technically a beast like the beast master would right let you use mm-hmm. but okay like if, if the ranger's calling the shots what does the intelligence level of the creature really matter yeah. in the end especially when it's something that has um such such bestial tendency yeah if you follow like my personal loose definition of a monstrosity it's really really is just that it's 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 a beast but it's you know sort of been manipulated by magic you know in a way or you know it's it's like it's not it was never originally naturally occurring but now lives as if it were you know um yeah it's been twisted or something by magic and and but now it operates like an actual animal yeah um i also really fell in love with the heraldry of the manticore so at one point, um, I was writing a short story called "The Order of the Manticore" about an order of knights who um, seeked out, uh, seeked out. Is that the right sought dramatic sought out um, <laughs> a, um, a single manticore who had devastated uh, their village, and they had formed this order around destroying this manticore. Mm. Um, and they called themselves the Order of the Manticore in a in a way to never forget that opportunity. Cool. But what ends up happening is they find this. Um, like a uh, society of manticores and they, they steal away the children 
and train them to be mounts. Oh, so man. it's these uh, these humans who are now the Order of the Manticore. They were the Order of the Manticore in a way to remember that they hate these creatures because they had devastated their village. Yeah. But generations down the line, they became the Order of the Manticore because they used the Manticores as mounts in battle. Crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love like a twisting history of, you know, uh, order of knights or like you know people with a, a certain code or something like that and it's just not all not always it, it, almost almost at odds you know a hundred years ago it's like you know a, a very different uh uh structure and uh and set of beliefs and, and how those can just change and twist i love that yeah i i was i'm really excited about it. it's something i'm still working on flushing out i've i've finished the the short but i i kind of i think this might be my first novel oh yeah sweet that'd be fun I, I have an idea for the ending that I really like. It's just like, it like was, the reveal of, of that history. And then, oh no, turns out you were the bad guy all along. <laughs> no, it turns out it was all just a dream. <laughs> the best, 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 what do you call it? Twist. Best twist ever. Not. Yeah. <laughs> the Order of the Manticore inspired by St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> That's fun. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's all I got. I've used them a bunch. I quite like them. Mm-hmm. I think they're relatively balanced for a CR3. I like using them in pairs because they are smart enough to be used in pairs. Um, and they are predators, so there's no reason why they wouldn't team up when there's a, a, an opportunity or a necessity to gain more food. It's really good, really good creatures to add to your random encounter table uh, when adventuring in the wilderness. They're on literally every one of my random yeah. encounter tables. Manticores <laughs> and Periatons are, yeah. are on all of my random encounter tables because they're just, uh, when it's, when it's uh, geographically appropriate, because they're just so much fun to run, you can have such a good time with it. Because the Manticores are intelligent enough that it offers the players an ability to retreat, mm-hmm. or, uh, and it offers you an ability to retreat as a Manticore. <laughs> um, and, but the Periatons are just vicious when played properly. They are just party shredders. Yeah. <laughs> so brutal. <laughs> uh, highly recommend. And if you out there have any stories, we would absolutely love to hear them. You can hit us up at info at encounterthis.ca if you want to throw us an email, if you want to get us in touch with us on the socials. If you want to get in touch with us on the socials, you can hit us up at Twitter or Facebook at EncounterPod or Instagram at Encounter.Pod where you can find some of this beautiful art and let us know if you like that three yard because I hate it. Yeah, I absolutely. It is hate a it. weird one. Uh, if you want to check out some of our back episodes, like the Lamia that we mentioned, you can find those at EncounterThis.ca with the entire back catalog and some other fun stuff there, along with blog posts where we post all the sources from these episodes, and that can be found directly in the description of this episode. If you like it and you want to request a creature. You can find us on patreon.com at EncounterPod. For $10 a month, you can suggest whatever creature we produce. It won't be next, but it will come up very, very quickly. For $5 a month, it'll get you a handwritten letter and access to our show notes. Both tiers come with access to our private Discord, so you can reach out to us at any time if you need help running one of these creatures or anything else. We are always around for suggestions, or if you just want to lob insults at us, you can absolutely do that in that private Discord. 
if you uh, can't afford it or don't think we deserve any of your money, which is a totally valid point, you can help us out by just rating reviewing on your platform of choice. Apple Podcast is the number one area to do that now, but Spotify has unlocked that ability as well, which all of those rates and reviews help us with visibility, which helps new DMs find us and hopefully we can help or insult them too. <laughs> at the very least, thank you so much for listening and we will get at you again in two weeks with our very next most episode, whatever that happens to be. <laughs> You're welcome for a, one of these very rare uh, stamp of approval creatures from Counter This. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to you, Freeman. You've been very manticourteous. Manta oh my God. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't think of something, so I just gave up. <laughs> you should have done that's, the same. That's the best I got. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, please don't take your reviews back. <laughs> <laughs>